0: Welcome to PwC IFRS Talks, your source of all things IFRS, technical accounting matters, business issues, current standard setting and regulatory updates. I'm your host, Ruth Preedy. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about FICE. What does that even mean? To help me out, I'm joined by US partner, Maureen Kling. Welcome to the studio. Thank you, Ruth. Happy to be here. Perfect, so could you just start off by what is FICE, as in just the anagram? Sure, so what does
1: FICE actually stand for? Well, it stands for Financial Instruments with Characteristics of
0: Equity. That sounds fun and not that easy. No, it uh, <laughs> takes a while to get into it, but it's fun once you, uh, you know the basics. <laughs> Marie's a big FICE uh, vice fan, um, so what is, could you give us a bit of an update on what is the vice project? Sure, so you may remember that as part of the revisions to
1: the conceptual framework, the board actually had maintained sort of this binary distinction between liability and equity, but at that time we'd also agreed to further explore the distinction between liabilities and equity as part of a separate project, because frankly at that time we didn't want to hold up much needed revisions to the conceptual framework, and so went ahead and. Rev- a conceptual framework and then decided to look at that distinction again as part of a separate project. So that's our FICE project. Wow, oh, it's a good old debt equity. <laughs> I know, I know. And you know, the boards also heard a lot of feedback on debt equity. Um, so f- the feedback from users was that sometimes the distinction is not always clear yeah. between liability and equity. The disclosures are not always that transparent, and frankly, uh, preparers have had a lot of challenges applying our current debt equity model so the board has listened to all that feedback and put all that into the discussion paper on face. So
0: what's the current proposal for
1: distinguishing between debt equity? Sure, so the board has put forward what it calls a preferred approach um, and I call it sort of a holistic approach that really has three prongs, classification, presentation and disclosures. So if we start with classification, it sort of looks at two tests. So your first test is the timing test. Is there an unavoidable contractual obligation to transfer economic resources at specific points in time other than liquidation? That's your timing criterion. And or, and that's your amount criterion, is there an unavoidable contractual obligation for an amount that's independent of the entity's available economic resources? Now I see the look on your face where if you're like, "What the I'm hell is confused. available Start economic resources?" I'm not a media.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> what on earth is available economic resources? Right? <laughs> so let's look at the definition of um, available economic resources. So it's your total recognized and unrecognized assets minus your total recognized and unrecognized claims, and the word "claim" here is used generically, other than the instrument um, you're assessing for classification. And does,
0: it, does the standard say what a claim is?
1: No, that's a great question. Uh, it's used generically, um, but certainly that, that's an area where um, we're, we're having some questions, I wanna cut that out. Okay, <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so the second prong is presentation. Um, and that, the board is looking at certain liabilities and for some liabilities it's proposing that changes in those liabilities would actually go into other comprehensive income. And those liabilities would also be presented separately on the balance sheet. So that's a big change in terms Mm -hmm. of presentation. And last but not least, our favorite disclosures. Um, So again, the board is looking at improving disclosures in that area, priority on liquidation, terms and conditions, or just potential dilution of ordinary shares.
0: Um, will that be more disclosure requirements in an IFRS 7 or uh, we don't know yet I suppose. Yeah I don't think we know that um, yeah. the,
1: the intent is to have more disclosures well where they will be located uh, is only to be seen.
0: Okay perfect so we've got their current proposal around classification, around um, presentation and disclosure, there are three That's types. right. How does that differ from what we've currently got under IS 32?
1: Yeah, great question. So let's start with classification. Um, If you look at IAS 32 today, we also have a timing criterion. It's a trans-, does the entity have an unavoidable contractual obligation to transfer cash or other financial assets? So that's pretty similar to the timing criterion in the discussion paper. But the amount criterion is different. Um, today, there's also a second criterion in 32 but it looks more at is there an obligation to deliver a variable number of shares? Or if you look at derivatives, is there an exchange for a fixed amount of cash for a fixed number of shares? Um, so that's a little bit different from that new amount criterion where we're looking at is the amount
0: independent of the entity's available economic resources. So on that timing and amount, you mentioned there, the two criteria, how will that actually work?
1: Yeah, so let's uh, dive a little bit deeper into the two criteria. So again, timing, I think you and I would agree, it's pretty straightforward, right? Is there an obligation um, to transfer economic resources, to pay cash at a specified time other than liquidation? I think the amount criterion is actually a little more challenging. So the concept there is that the obligation, the amount, um, is independent of the entity's available economic resources. And so that's looking more at the amount of the obligation to determine whether or not the instrument should be classified as a liability. Okay. So I can maybe take a few yeah. examples, Ruth, right? It's yeah, still yeah. pretty theoretical. So let's start with the simple bond, right? The entities issue a bond. What happens, right? The entity is then committed to pay cash for the principal and interest. Um, So if you run that for the two criteria, timing criteria, yes, there is a contractual obligation um, to transfer economic resources at specified points in time other than liquidation. So the timing criterion is met. What about the amount criterion? Well, the amount is independent of the entity's available economic resources, right? There's fixed amounts of principal and interest. Those amounts don't change with the available economic resources. So, in this case, it's a liability and both criteria are met, right? The timing and
0: the amount criterion. What about something like a compound? That's always tricky.
1: Yeah, so compounds is a great question. You'll still um, classify the instrument um, into liability or equity based on the different features. Um, so, that actually stays in IC32. But maybe a more interesting one is preferred shares that are redeemable at fair value, for example. So is there an obligation to transfer cash or economic resources? Yes, it's redeemable, right? So the entity has an unavoidable contractual obligation to pay cash is the amount independent of the entity's available economic resources. So here it's a little bit different than my bond, right? Because the amount is dependent on the entity's available economic resources. It's fair value. And so here, um, the amount due will change with the available economic resources. So in this case, only the uh, timing criterion is met, but the amount is not independent. So the amount criterion is not met. But still, because we meet one criterion, um, it will be classified as a
0: liability. That's what I was just going to say. So you just need to meet one. One, correct. Okay. And in some cases,
1: you meet both. In some cases, you meet the
0: timing criterion. In the other case, you meet the amount criterion. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Those examples, I think, helped us understand. Like, you hear the words, don't you? It sounds really complicated until you actually think about, think through an example. Sure. Okay. So, um, and what about some of the changes around, like, you mentioned high level presentation and disclosure? Could you give us a bit more detail on those?
1: Sure. So presentation, again, I think I like to summarize that not all liabilities are equal, right? Yeah. I've, I've kind of described the different criteria. You could meet one or the other, or you can meet both. And so what the board is trying to do is say, well, for some liabilities, different presentations should apply. And that's, again, your liabilities, where the amount is not independent of the entity's available economic resources. Or if you don't like double negatives, it's dependent <laughs> on the entity's economic resources. And for those liabilities, the changes, so items of income and expense associated with those liabilities should go through other comprehensive income with no recycling. So that is a big change compared to yeah. what we do today. And just from a balance sheet presentation, those liabilities should be presented separately as well on the face of the, uh, the balance sheet. So it's really trying to sort of present those types of liabilities differently from the others. Yeah. Okay. So that, yeah, that is a very different way of presenting correct correct yeah. so that's a that's a big change that's why i like to describe the project as really a holistic project classification yeah. but also presentation and disclosure yeah because sometimes classification just isn't enough right you know, you know you have a binary distinction liability or equity but that doesn't tell the entire story. Yeah. So, so now you know there there's presentation like, the types of liabilities that that's, that's, right,
0: that's exactly right, as well that's right okay perfect so lots i think One, it's getting our heads around the changes, seeing if there will be differences with ISIS 32 and thinking about maybe some of the instruments uh, uh, clients have got. Obviously, it's early stage in the project. What should companies actually be doing now? Yeah, that's a great question. And actually
1: one key change that I wanted to highlight as well in terms of the, the classification is just, for example, an irredeemable preference shares. If you run that through the amount criterion under the board's proposal, it would actually um, pass the amount criterion, meaning it would be classified as a liability. And why is that? It's irredeemable, it's perpetual, but it's got a stated coupon that accumulates, so it add, it increases over time. Um, And that is a liability, and why is that? Because the amount is independent of the entities available economic resources. And that's a big change compared to IAS 32 today, because those instruments today would be equity, right? Because there's no obligation um, to transfer cash or another financial asset. So there are some changes embedded in here um, that I would encourage um, entities to look at and certainly consider. And that's a good segue to your, your question is what should companies do? Yeah. Study the discussion paper, look at the uh, the conclusions and some for some of those instruments and respond, provide a feedback to the ISB so they can decide on what the next
0: steps are. And the feedback you mentioned there January. Correct. By okay. so the January twenty nineteen, yes. Perfect. And then what after that? How do how would people keep on top of what's going on in the project?
1: Just follow the ASB. you know, the ISB publishes a lot of guidance on their website. Um, we publish guidance as well in terms of the proposal. Our comment letter will be out and just stay on top of uh, the, any discussions and any changes in
0: the uh, in the board's approach. And maybe, Marie, when we get anything else out of the board, you could come back and give us an update. Exactly. So <laughs> Fly <laughs> all, all the way back over. In <laughs> you know, a
1: few months, I'll be back <laughs> to tell you what really happens exactly. now. <laughs> Perfect.
0: Anything else you want to add before we leave?
1: Uh, the one thing we didn't talk about is derivatives okay. on own shares. Um, Why not I, end on a high? The I know, I know, I know. <laughs> Sometimes people, after I've described the entire project, don't want to listen to derivatives anymore. But as, as you said, Ruth, I like I like this project. So I'm also interested in derivatives. So um, there's also this... Good discussion on derivatives on own shares. At a high level, it's the same principles that would apply to derivatives, so your timing and your amount criterion. There's a lot of guidance in the discussion paper as well for derivatives. What is independent of the entity's available economic resources? And so there's a good good section that um, has some practical
0: examples there exactly. as well. So more guidance than what we've covered. Correct. Are. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So
1: don't don't forget about the derivatives. They're addressed as well. well so. I always forget about the <laughs> derivatives. <assessments.
0: laughs> like to keep it simple. <laughs> Perfect. Well, thank you very much. That's really really useful. And like Marie said, if you want to uh, follow the project, obviously it's on the ISB's website, but also we'll um, have regular updates on PwC um, on PwC Inform as well. So thank you for joining us, Marie. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure. To be here and uh, hopefully i'll be back with some uh, further updates yeah Um, exactly more good news more exciting price project um so thank you for listening i've been your host ruth preedy the preceding program was brought to you by price waterhouse coopers llp this content is for general information purposes and is not a substitute for consultation with professional advisors